Hey, welcome back to another episode of Anthologies of an Overthinker. Thank you for tuning in. Once again, this is your overthinker speaking, Josh. And today's episode of Anthologies of an Overthinker is going to be slightly different from any previous episode. As all previous episodes were basically topics that I had discussed all off of the top of my head. I had no notes, I had no... uh, no paper in front of me, nothing to read from as far as keeping the structure of this thing going. It was all free form, as I like to call it, or free flow, or, you know, whatever the case may be, I suppose. But today is a topic that I am going to uh, talk about based off of an article I wrote earlier this year that I had entitled The Demonization of a Plant. And this is a, uh, a topic that I've been uh, very, uh, very close to me. It's been, a, uh, it's been most of my life that I've been involved in, in this topic. So without further ado, the demonization of a plant. So for countless millennial and potentially throughout universes we cannot even tune into yet, there has been a plant that grows naturally in the right environment, has many different species, been used for healing purposes, turned into building materials, used for textiles, has the ability to expand your consciousness, and has an unmatched versatility. However, it has also been demonized so exaggeratingly and criminalized unjustly with the aforementioned aforementioned advantages of this plant will never be able to benefit this world in the way it was meant to. No other plant so beneficial to the world has been demonized as heavily as this one. If you haven't guessed by now, you're either very sheltered or maybe living under a rock. So for those of you that know, you guessed right, that would be the cannabis plant. Now to truly understand the ridiculous nature of demonizing such a life-altering plant, It makes sense to know how long this plant has been utilized for good. Now I've often pondered to myself, how do we know the effects of plants? And who is the first one willing to find out those effects? And for whatever reason, I never actively pursued that knowledge. But I did stumble across it by dumb luck researching this article. Now during the time before Christ existed, about 2800 BC even, Emperor Shen Nung, also known as the father of Chinese medicine, was believed to have underwent the arduous task of creating what is known as Emperor Shen Nung's pharmacopoeia. In doing so, it is said that he consumed upwards of 300 plants and herbs and noted any medicinal purposes he either observed or developed. Unfortunately, His legacy, which would become one of the most significant contributions to humanity, is also believed to be what led to his untimely demise. He eventually and inevitably poisoned himself, but not before providing the world with one of the greatest contributions to medicinal practice. Now, Amongst those plants was the cannabis plant, highly noted for its versatility in treating many ailments. Many ancient cultures 
dating back millennia as well, have referenced the healing benefits of the cannabis plant. Some of the common ailments ancient civilizations used it for include, but are not limited to, arthritis, depression, inflammation, pain, lack of appetite, asthma, amongst many other things. In Hindu culture, the Hindu god of destruction, Shiva, was also known as the Lord of Bhang, B-H-A-N-G. Bhang was what food prepared with the cannabis plant was called in Hindu culture, and Shiva's favorite food was Bhang. Throughout Eastern and indigenous cultures, the cannabis plant has been used for more than just its psychoactive effects. During the earliest use of the cannabis plant, it was used more for its versatility in everyday applications, becoming anything from rope, which in turn allowed for the creation of nets, as fibers were strong enough to become reliable clothing, it was basically so versatile it could become anything you needed to be. It was a canvas for the creation of imagination. Actually, the word canvas is derived from the Latin word for hemp, which is cannabis. Now, a canvas is typically a blank slate to begin creation of usually some form of art. But could there not be an argument then that cannabis was intended to be the foundation that nature provided us to create the best possible reality for humanity? Ancient civilizations, including those that brought us some of the greatest minds in history, were for progress, advancement, evolution, and utilized cannabis to achieve breakthroughs in those developments. What I've already said is just scratching the surface of ancient documentation that has surfaced and references cannabis, directly and indirectly. I should really just make this a whole topic on its own. I knew it was going to be a rabbit hole, but there's rabbit holes, rabbit holes have rabbit holes. So I have a tendency to go on a tangent, so I'll get back on track. This really was not intended to be a history lesson on cannabis or anything like that. The point is, this life-altering plant that goes by many names predates history, has put roofs over heads, clothes on backs, shoes on feet, sails on boats, wood for those boats, filled countless bellies, elevated the consciousness of some of the greatest minds in history, and has been acknowledged throughout millennia as a very vital natural resource. So how did it again such, gain such a bad rap? And is any of it really deserved? Obviously, those of you reading this already know the answer, so yes, it is somewhat rhetorical, but that's how segues work. You need a lead-in. So to the surprise of no one, cannabis spread across the world like wildfire. By the 19th century, its medicinal use was being utilized worldwide. Its versatility became pretty much a go-to for anything that needed to be created. Is it a coincidence that the Latin word for canvas, a word associated with creation, I might add, is cannabis, which is a natural resource that has been used for creation since before we knew what time was? I mean, I don't know about you, but I stopped believing in coincidence. It seems to be more of a distraction word 
used to deflect attention from the synchronicities of life that are trying to direct you to the right path. Now, for a paper that's supposed to be about the demonization of a plant, we really haven't gotten too much demonizing. So apparently we have some catch-up to do. So let's catch up. So up through the 19th century, you would have a hard time finding someone that had something bad to say about the uses of cannabis. They say, and when I say they, I mean the sources of my research, not the voices, that the cannabis plant was introduced to the Americas around the mid-1500s by the Spanish, in which they grew the cannabis plant for its hemp. The versatility of hemp allowed them to make rigging for their sails, clothing, and bags for themselves, until it eventually became a major cash crop. All went well through the 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries, where in some of the early American colonies, farmers were required to grow crops of cannabis. In those days, apparently the THC content was pretty low, so it wasn't used for its psychoactive effects as often as for its medicinal. So if you were paying attention earlier, I had mentioned Emperor Shen Nong's Pharmacopoeia, which is said to be dated as far back as 2800 BC. It wasn't until around 1850 AD that cannabis was first listed in the United States Pharmacopoeia for its medicinal treatments. Perspective is everything, and the ability to see all perspectives is an ability all should have. So let's put this into perspective. The first documentation of cannabis's medicinal properties were in a pharmacopoeia that is of present time, 2023 at the time of this writing, would be approximately 4,823 years ago. Now to some people, that long ago could fall into the realm of mythology which now that I think about it, should make it even more significant plant than how it is regarded. One more observation while researching this article. Now, if America recognized cannabis as an effective medicinal treatment around 4,655 years after Chinese medicine first discovered its medicinal purposes, it took Western culture less than a century to demonize a plant that has been beneficial to countless societies for many millennia. So when did this demonization begin, you might ask? Or you might not have asked, but you're going to find out now. Because I figure I can't be the only one that's wondered this. Otherwise, I'm putting good time into writing something that might not even have readers or listeners. And the irony within being, I, myself, misread what I thought to be an interesting topic on an audience would like to read about. But considering the cannabis plant wasn't indigenous to turn-of-the-century America, it was no surprise that eventually stronger species would make its way over. Up until then, the cannabis plant was a major resource in the creation of much of the objective world. But what about the subjective world? It is said that it was the Spanish and their appreciation for the psychoactive effects of the cannabis plant are the ones that first introduced what regulators considered to have high potency levels of THC. In the third decade of the 1900s, around the time of the Great Depression, people were starved for work, food, 
and any other basic necessities you could imagine. On top of that, immigrants looking for a better life as well were coming to the proclaimed melting pot of America. Along with them, though, came along a new angle to incite fear among the people. Now here's the scenario. It's the time of the Great Depression. Everyone is lacking in things they need just for basic survival. The economy has failed so badly that the unemployment rate climbed to 25%. Those lucky enough to still keep working find that their wages are decreasing by approximately 42%. The jobs that are available probably create a dog-eat-dog mentality as everyone just wants to survive. Now enter a whole new culture of people seeking their own best life in America, hoping to live their American dream. Now it's hard not to think whether the timing of the Great Depression, the American dream, and the rise of the cannabis plant happening when they did, created what could be considered a perfect storm. So as these new cultures of people came along, these immigrants, as they were called, also needed a means to support themselves, which typically requires employment. Now, in case you've forgotten, it's the time of the Great Depression. The job market is probably comparable to a pack of hungry dogs fighting over a bone tossed their way. Now, having a new prospect of potential residents created a new angle of unnecessary division. They're coming to take your jobs, became the new slogan, you could say, that became attached to immigration. So what does all this have to do with the demonization of the cannabis plant, you may be wondering? Is this just another run-on tangent? Well, the short answer is yes and no. The long answer is this. Spending many years down many rabbit holes has helped me realize that perhaps all things are connected in some manner or another. Now, whether that is intentional by means of the plans of the universe, it's not my place to tell you this. I'm just sharing what brought me closer to the realization so that you can decide for yourself. Now, the oldest trick in the book for manipulating the masses is fear tactics and mongering. And fear is one of the strongest energies around. In terms of a spectrum, if love and compassion is the peak of the positive spectrum, fear and humiliation is on the other end. Let's go back to the Great Depression area. Everyone's already trapped in dire straits, living in survival mode, which as it's called surviving, not living. Now, the masses are being told that the immigrants are coming to take your jobs. And they're bringing strong drugs. They're trying to ruin our way of life, corrupt our good morals, and destroy the future of our children. Now enter the cannabis plant, once heralded as the go-to in agriculture, even being required in some states to be grown on farmlands. The building blocks of the then-modern world, you could argue. Until everything changed, what was once the building blocks of the objective world now had to be, had the potential to be the building blocks of the subjective world. But when you gain the ability to think for yourself, you've also gained the ability to not be led around blindly by the governing powers. In 1936, a movie called Reefer Madness came out, potentially spearheading the media's demonization of the cannabis plant. There was a propaganda film about the introduction of marijuana to high school students. 
and how it led to a life of crime, including a hit and run, manslaughter, murder, conspiracy, and attempted rape, all while suffering insanity-inducing hallucinations. Hallucinations. Now, the legacy of Reefer Madness, while originating as a church-funded video attempted attempting to inform parents of the dangers, possibly over-snacking, couch lock, laziness, among other harmless danger, of marijuana. It would be another 40 years before new life was breathed into it, only to become more of an unintentional satire for cannabis reform policies. I personally have never watched more than the trailer for Reefer Madness. Being a cannabis user most of my life, my purposes were from a self-medication standpoint. And furthermore, in the 20 plus years I have consumed cannabis products, I've never met or known any cannabis users that have been caught up in any of the melodrama exploited in Reefer Madness. Now, I grew up in the era when D.A.R.E., for those of you that do not remember, was drug abuse resistance education, was on the rise referring to marijuana as a gateway drug. Now, when D.A.R.E. pamphlets and materials began circulating in the early 90s, it encouraged children as young as elementary school age to be D.A.R.E. informants, and in some cases turning on their own family members for marijuana. Now, imagine this. A child is being told by a D.A.R.E. officer at school that this drug called marijuana which is really just an incredibly versatile and life-altering plant, is very dangerous and should be reported immediately if it's seen at home. Not knowing the significant history of this plant, a child knows no better and assumes that they're being told the truth. Now, the child has no reason to doubt what they are being told at school and could be wrong or harmful to their family. The child, thinking they're doing the right thing and perhaps saving their family from this alleged dangerous drug, brings to school some marijuana they got from one of their family member's stash to report to the school or a D.A.R.E. officer. Now a whole can of worms is opened up that the child couldn't have even imagined. Words and terms like possession of an illegal substance, child endangerment, jail, and arrest to name a few are tossed around. Depending on what the results of the outcome are, maybe the parents of the child are deemed unfit guardians of the child, and now Child Protective Services, or CPS, are involved. The child is now taken from their family, and if they are lucky enough to have additional family or grandparents, they may end up having to live with them. The unlucky ones, however, end up in the foster program, where they end up at the mercy of the system having to live with strangers in a foster family. Now all the while, the actions of the seemingly do-gooder child, led astray by misinformation from a seemingly trusted source, is stuck in a strange place, soaked with guilt and confusion, wondering when they will see their parents again. And to add insult to injury, the feeling of it being all their fault. I mean, I could go on and on, really, my brain's capacity to generate many facets of hypothetical scenarios has even surprised myself. The point is perspective is everything. Truth is paramount, but we have always lived in a world where perspective and truth can be crafted, molded, 
sculpted, and or otherwise created. Now, is it a coincidence that we, as humans, are capable of crafting our own reality, or even get caught up in other realities that are simulated in media? Whether we're talking movies, TV, music, video games, books, or anything else beneath the stars, we all are influenced by one thing or another. We live in a world where a person's career choice could be an influencer. In order to be able to craft your own reality, your ability to think independently and see the world for what you make of it and not what you're influenced to make of it needs to be solidly intact. Whether we're talking about the 1800s, the 1900s, or the 2000s, the ability to influence a person's perspective has always been there. Albeit in some points in history, a very heartless and dehumanizing manner. But that's a different article altogether. The only difference throughout time being the avenues of which influence can be pushed. This may seem like I'm off the beaten path, considering no talk of demonizing a plant has taken place in quite some time, but it's all relevant, so uh, stick with me. I've already spoke on the material uses that cannabis so willingly lent its versatility to, resulting in the creation of everything from clothes to ropes to boats to shelter to hunting tools to food. I'm pretty sure you get the point by now. The expansion of early civilization owes much of its resources to the versatility of the cannabis plant. Then along came its other abilities of expansion. Expansion of the mind. Or as I've liked to think of it as of recently, expansion of reality. In the grand scheme of things, what we experience feels real, and you can't have reality without real. So anything that fosters expansion of reality expands what can be perceived as real. The naturally occurring ingredient in cannabis that is considered the, the psychoactive effect is shortened to THC, which is short for tetrahydrocannabinol, and has for millennia been used to expand the mind and consciousness of countless ancient civilizations. You may not realize this, but our bodies create what are called endocannabinoids, which THC interacts with via our cannabinoid receptors. So why have them if we don't utilize them? We shouldn't let such a vital function of our anatomy become a slave to a perspective that may not be our own. Scientists to this day are finding THC in the mummified bodies of ancient Egyptians, as well as other ancient advanced cultures. So then why in modern society is it still considered such a polarizing plant? I suppose you could say in the time the industrial broom was booming, those with the deepest pockets paved the way for a new age of living. But along with anything considered revolutionary, there are the obvious inherent risks that stretch out to unforeseen long-term repercussions. We live in a world that is shaped and molded by those with the deepest pockets.
and those with the deepest pockets don't necessarily have the interest of the greater good in mind. In terms of this article, the titans of industry are able to influence the path by which the world goes. In spite of all the things in this world that are meant to better the greater good, in many instances, those who have the power to alter the course of nature do so in spite of what's right and not for the sake of altruism. Cannabis and all its derivatives fall in this category. A plant of this earth intended to better near every and all facets of life with an unmatched versatility. Along with anything that vastly benefits the masses and provides a better quality of life, there are those in this world who have the needs to snuff out the things that can harm the pocketbook. Cannabis is one such substance that does this with the ability to become just about anything it needs to be. Need materials to build a house, clothes, food, drink, something to help you wind down from the day? Cannabis is your one-stop shop. Its sustainability allowed it to potentially become the single resource provided to us for humanity to live their best lives without harming the lives of other life forms of this earth. Like many things that have reached a point of no return, this is one of the facts that we will never be able to truly know. In a reality where all the big decision makers throughout history chose based upon the principle of the wants of the few outweighing the needs of the many, we may never know in this lifetime how this life-altering plant could have provided a better quality of life for not just humanity, but for all things that are just trying to live and exist under the same stars and heavens that we all reside under. And that was my research paper, The Demonization of a Plant. I hope you enjoyed it. It took me a long time to, to write it. Actually, I just finished it probably about three or four months after I started it. So uh, let me know what you think. Sound off in the comments if you if you agree or disagree or just have any other questions in regards to anything that this uh, this topic was about. Again, this has been your uh, overthinker Josh speaking from Anthologies of an Overthinker, always reminding you to never overthink anything you don't have to because that's what we do here at Anthologies of an Overthinker. So until next time, take care of yourselves.